On today's episode, we will be sharing some very special audio from the 2021 California Economic Summit, which is hosted by our amazing partners, California Forward in Monterey. My co-hosts were lucky enough to attend and speak at the summit. Can you all hear me? Yeah. And we're joined by their fellow Youth Leadership Advisory Council cohort and speakers like Governor Gavin Newsom and numerous state assembly members. Be sure to visit CAFWD.org to learn more about their amazing work. For those of you um, who don't know me, my name is Stephanie Estrada. I serve as a cohort one member for the Young Leaders Advisory Council. I mean, I have the pleasure of representing the San Diego region. Um, I'm originally from the Bay Area and I love all of California. So I'm super excited to be here today. For those of you who may not know the Young Leaders Advisory Council, we are made up of dynamic leaders from across the state of California. Uh, we have brought in a multiplicity of perspectives and just regional leadership from across uh, across California. And so I'm so happy to be here today with cohort two members. And so we have been brought together um, due to an approach known as intergenerational collaboration and engagement in policy solutions. And so um, we're just going to get started on a few introductions and as well as what does intergenerational collaboration and policy making mean to you? And so we'll get started with you, Santaria. Definitely. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for that wonderful introduction. So hello, everyone. My name is Santaria Manikandan, and I'm a recent graduate graduate from the University of California, Irvine, Go Eaters. if there's anyone in the room. I, I hear our sound. Okay, awesome. And I also am a legal analyst at Tipco Software. And as Stephanie mentioned, I'm part of the second cohort at WILAC. And so for me, a lot of my advocacy work centers around legal education and equity and kind of bridging the gap between the public and the judicial system. And so when I first heard the term intergenerational collaboration or policymaking, it wasn't something I heard until I joined WILAC, actually. So I know a lot of the time these terms are more for fancy spaces and for fancy people, but this is something, a concept that I had been doing as a young leader. And all of us on this stage I've actually been doing as young leaders because we've always had to consider not only our generation, but the generations in front of us and those behind us as well. So I think with that approach and knowing the term now, I've definitely centered that in all of my advocacy work. And we as WILAC members have actually had the chance to be contracted by Tuolumne County for the Broadband for All project. And our perspective is that we are gonna be outreaching to youth and 65 plus in the region. So these are typically harder to reach demographics, but with an intergenerational approach, understanding how to reach out to these communities and make sure we're understanding what solutions will help them since broadband should be for all people and everyone needs it um, has definitely been an effective way for us to tackle this project and I'm excited to see where it goes. Thank you so much, Antari, and I know, give it up, give it up. <laughs> And I know we had the pleasure of serving, our serving together on that project and you have been such a great addition. I wanna turn it over to you, Mark. I know you have been a fierce advocate within our CSU system. What does intergenerational collaboration and policy decision-making mean for you? Thanks so much, Stephanie. And thank you all for uh, having us today. My name is Mark Borges. I use he, him pronouns and I'm a graduate of Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Go Mustangs. <laughs> Okay, we got a few. Uh, I'm also from the 209 area, Modesto to be specific. Uh, woo, okay, love the 209 love. And uh, 
I just recently finished a fellowship through the Capital Fellows Program in the executive branch with the California Natural Resources Agency, and I'm now permanently at the California Natural Resources Agency as an executive analyst. I would say my work really centers around climate action and proper stewardship of our natural resources. To get to the question and building off of Santharia's point, when I think of intergenerational policy solutions, I really think of all the ways that youth are sort of systematically pushed out of decision-making spaces. We see in entry-level jobs or positions or opportunities, there may be a three to five year professional development or opportunity requirement that pushes so many people out from the decision-making space. Even worse, we may see a tokenization or an ornamental representation of youth in decision-making spaces where youth are not adequately involved in all of the conversation or don't have the resources to really make an informed decision or infect change in their localized environment. Um, or they may not have voting rights. If we see this on uh, boards or commissions all the time that students maybe lack the uh, ability to actually incorporate their voice into the decision. And so I think there's many ways that when we talk about intergenerational policy solutions and in all of the organizations that are represented here today, we can really take a step back and think about how to incorporate youth in a meaningful way to ensure that that voice is captured in the end product. And I can think of a great example through the, Cal the California Forward Young Leaders Advisory Council uh, in, the, in a podcast called PolicyWise. And this was a podcast that's created and led by the members of the council to engage with state leaders, local leaders, and just members across the, the uh, political spectrum to engage in conversations that we've been having here at the summit for the past 48 hours. And it's a way to add a level of accessibility to youth who can be a part of this conversation and help shape solutions. So I think that in all of the organizations that are represented here today, I encourage you all to just think about ways in which you're incorporating youth into the work that you're doing uh, and how we can really build upon intergenerational policy solutions. Thank you so much, Mark. And I know we do have uh, two of our co-hosts here from PolicyWise here. Both are our Young Leaders Advisory Council. They're here today with us. So they have been hitting the ground running across the state, talking to decision makers, to policymakers, and it has been a great contribution to the work that we're doing today. I want to turn it over to you, Nicole. I know you have been a fierce advocate for what it means to bring in youth's perspectives, especially within our, within our council. I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, yes, so for me, I think intergenerational policy solutions is simply asking who has a seat at the table? Um, and I think that when we first start to address that problem, um, we speak to representation. And um, as Mark said, we often add youth to these spaces and we may give them a seat, but if you're giving them a seat and allowing them to vote on something that has been predetermined, is that really a voice, you know? So I think it then goes also into the conversation of how do we make sure that the way in which we're moving forward in California, um, specifically with how we're using our resources to empower our youth, how are we being accountable to the fact that sometimes we don't know all the answers to these questions and that actually the people with the resources are often the people that are the most ill-informed on how to enact sustainable change within our communities. So intergenerational policy, policy solutions is truly just being accountable to the fact that we have so much to learn and we have so much to learn from each other um, in this and that it's not enough to provide a seat here. When you provide a seat but we don't see action, that is what we like to call performative politics. And we're in a space here where if we're trying to push California forward, we, we, we're in a place where it's just, it's too dire, where it's too dire at this point. We are responsible for 
making it more than a performance. We need actions behind it. We need tangible resources behind it. We need community leaders behind it. And even more so, we need people that honestly aren't allowed into these spaces because those are the people that are most affected by the decisions that we make. And we have to acknowledge the privilege that we also have here in this space um, and being able to have these conversations and use our resources in this way. Um, so yeah, to sum up, intergenerational policy solutions, that's what it is to me. It is holding ourselves accountable um, to enacting that change and also we do all cause harm in the way in which we educate ourselves and what we're aware of. So let's let's push forward in that and engage in that outside of these spaces as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. And so you all have really touched on what it means, what this what this approach means to us as young leaders. But I want to hear more about you, your personal experience, your why, and your upbringing, and how that has impacted the work that you're doing today. We'll we'll get started with you, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as I mentioned, I feel like a lot of my work really centers around climate action and proper natural resource stewardship. And I think that that really did start coming from uh, my upbringing in the 209 in the rural countryside of Oakdale, California. Ooh. Go Oakdale. Um, <laughs> I, you know, growing up in, in that environment, I feel like my backyard provided this source of a, a living laboratory to see all kinds of biological interactions happening right in front of my eyes, and also to understand how fragile those systems are. Uh, I come from a family of, with a long tradition of, of agriculturalists. Both my parents started off their careers in agricultural education. My brother is teaching ag mechanics at a state school in Texas, and my sister is pursuing a bachelor's in agricultural communications from Chico State University. And so uh, I, on the other hand, am the token, mostly vegan environmental scientist. <laughs> So you can imagine there's a few uh, family dynamics going on in that whole situation. But what I would say is that we all come together in this collective understanding that we have to be good stewards of our land. And I, think, I can think of so many personal examples in the life that I've, led, I've lived around uh, just you know, times where the climate crisis was knocking truly on our back door. Just this past summer, my, my parents were dealing with air bubbles in their water line because their, their well was potentially drying up. Unfortunately, it hasn't as of yet. Uh, I can think of, I was sharing a perspective or a story earlier in a presentation with the, the 2008 Jesus Cita fire in Santa Barbara County uh, when I was 10 years old and was just so scared because I was watching as my grandparents were trying to figure out which objects they should take and which objects they should leave at their house as we were currently evacuating a fire. Um, and it's instances like those that you know really, really give me a sense of purpose. But where I drive a lot of the passion, I would say for this, is the fact that when it comes to climate action, youth are in large part at the forefront of this conversation. And maybe they're not necessarily allowed in decision-making spaces, but where they are is on the streets. They're, in, they're protesting. We've seen a huge showing at COP26, which is one of the biggest UN climate change conferences uh, from youth that ne weren't necessarily allowed into the conference um, uh, from a decision-making standpoint. And so whether it's future or Fridays for Our Future or Sunrise Movement, all of these youth-led movements are where I draw my passion for ensuring that we can create a, a livable uh, society for our youth to not only survive, but truly thrive. Thank you so much, Mark. And I just want to re repeat that, right? You said that climate change is knocking on our door. And not only is it knocking on our door, but it's opening up the door. The, the future is right now. And these, these issues are really 
living in our space right now. And so I want to turn it over to you, Nicole. I know we talked a lot about, uh, Mark talked about urgency, but with urgency comes accountability. And that's been something that we had previous conversations with, but something that you are very much of an advocate for. Um, yeah, so um, first, I don't think I did this in my last one. So also, my name's Nicole Crawford, everybody, by the way. Um, <laughs> forgot to mention that part. Um, and um, my work in this really stems from the fact that I was raised by um, a single mother and an immigrant mother um, as well. And I think um, watching her go through this system and seeing how hard it is and seeing how important education is and having access to resources and equitable access, right? That is the difference between why I have the privilege to be here speaking to you today um, and why some of my peers are not in this space. You know, it's not about um, capability. Everybody is so incredibly capable of achieving and pushing forward and contributing to our society. It's about giving people the resources to be able to do that in the way that best works for them. And we don't always know what that is. So it's, again, giving them those spaces. Um, and I actually um, got to get, get more into this conversation about representation um, in my high school and um, on the student I was on the student site council um, and being a student of color as well, going to a very diverse school, they always preach diversity, 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 and inclusion. And I'm like, okay, I'm here. But it seems that all the choices I've been given were actually determined for me. It's more just, they're asking for my signature on these pages, right? As a chair of the student site council. But I don't actually have a role in determining what the circumstances are that I, that allow me to have these choices, right? So it's really just about, I think, um, creating more resources for people and then also holding ourselves accountable for the fact that we contribute when people, when society fails people, we contribute to that. You know, our, our money goes into that. Also our resources go into that. And our lack of resources also goes into that. So it's about what are you prioritizing and whose perspective are you prioritizing at that table? Um, and that's really what it is here for me. I've been blessed to work with so many community leaders in the Sacramento area, specifically working with Neighbor Program um, in Sacramento. And their work is just all about providing community-led resources for the people. And you find that when you talk to people on a personal level, you're able to better understand what their struggle is and how you also contribute to that struggle. Because we all contribute to producing harm in each other's lives. It's just about when we get tense. And when we, when I said performative politics and everyone kind of paused, that feeling right there, that's accountability. And we have to then take that a step further. And what are we gonna do about the fact that we're uncomfortable in these conversations? How do we then open up the conversation to be inclusive and then create solutions that work for everybody and be sustainable in the future? Um, so yeah, that, that's my, yeah. That's my answer to your question. Thank you so much, Nicole. And I know you have been able to work on a criminal justice reform project here today, this morning with Santharia. So I want to turn it over to you, Santharia. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what, how has that impacted the work that you've done today? Yeah, definitely. So similar to Nicole, I was brought up in an immigrant household, um, South Indian Tamil to be specific. And for my, oh, is there a Tamil person here? I'm, I need to meet with you later. Uh, but for me, education was always a priority in my household. Like there's a phrase in Tamil which my dad always says, which basically means if it's education, I will find the money for it, you know? And so that has always been the precedent that he has set for my family. And for him, that meant going to work and making sure that 
we had everything that we needed. But in that same sense, politics was never something we talked about. That was never a concern for us because we had other things to worry about. But lucky for me, that education unveiled a lot of the injustices that occur within our systems. And specifically, um, during my time at UC Irvine, I took a criminology class. And I learned so much about the criminal justice system and how many biases perpetuate that system and the systemic racism that continues to uphold these institutions. And like you mentioned, me and Nicole got the chance to present with our fellow WILAC members on criminal justice reform very early this morning at like 7.30. Um, but it was amazing to get a chance to speak on an issue that hasn't been discussed at an economic summit before because the prison industrial complex has economic implications. So we should be discussing these topics at summits like this. And we were so lucky to have a couple assembly members and a couple of the leaders in this room join us for that conversation. And I hope continuing summits will continue to have that conversation as well. And I think for me, apart from the criminal justice system, the judicial system as a whole is very unapproachable to the public. Um, so I'm a girl that calls my mom and dad like almost every other day when I was in college. And during one of these conversations, my mom mentioned her time doing jury duty. And so when she had went in for jury duty, English isn't her first language, and it's something that she taught herself and enrolled in community college and learned. But she was having trouble following along with the trial. And she told me, I wish I could have taken notes during the meeting. And I was like, do they not allow notes? And she's like, yeah, it's not an allowed practice. And I did a little bit of Googling, and I found out that Note-taking is not a common practice across US courtrooms. And that, for me, inspired a research question that I took on during my senior year. How can we bring accessible tools to the justice system? And that really informed a lot of the work that I continue to do because I feel like there's a huge language access barrier, especially in a state as diverse as California. And I definitely think I want to continue to work towards resolving these barrier issues for people like my mom. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Antharia. And we talked about it here today, right? There's an urgency in getting youth perspective involved. We talked about with urgency comes accountability and how do we hold inclusive tables, but also how do we allow the language access? How do we humanize information in order to make it more understandable, more digestible for folks like mom and pops? And so I do, we do have a lot of guests here in the room. And you know, as a result of this conversation, if there was one takeaway everyone here in this room can take uh, as a result of this conversation, what would it be? And I'm gonna get started with you, Nicole. Um, yes, so first, thank you all for engaging in this discussion with us today. Um, that's, that's honestly where it starts, you know, when we hear each other. Um, but what I want everyone to take away is that this is not where it stops, and that actually this is not the most important space in which we need to be having conversations. It's actually in our communities, maybe talking to the people at the grassroots level that are more in touch with how to enact tangible, tangible change and real solutions for themselves. Um, as we have our resources here and we have these privileges, we, we always need to be so cognizant of 
the harm that our privilege can cause to others, even when we don't recognize that sometimes. Even us being on this stage here, that is, that is a privilege. And I'm thankful for that. But then I do view it then as my responsibility and the fact that I'm then accountable for speaking then for those who may not be in these spaces, but even more so to get to a place in which they have a seat to speak for themselves, because that's really what it is, that we need to allow people to speak for themselves in these situations and to continue engaging in these conversations, even though they're hard and uncomfortable, but it's in the vulnerability. That is where the change happens. And how about you, Mark? If there was one thing uh, they can take away today as a result of this conversation, what would it be? Yeah, I think building off of Nicole's point, you know, there are so many young people who want to be a part of these conversations, who want to add their perspective, their voice. And I think a good homework assignment for everyone, look, the young people are giving out the homework, wow. Um, I think a good opportunity for everyone in this room is to put in the notes page or put in the back of your mind ways to think about how you can incorporate youth into the work that you're doing in a meaningful way, creating mentorship programs, creating fellowships, internships, allowing spaces for youth to grow and develop to take on all of these issues that we've been discussing. Uh, I leave you all with an analogy. It's of course has to do with nature. I'm like the climate guy up here. Um, and it really has to do with old growth redwoods. So redwoods will sprout in a circle, young saplings around them, and it's one of the best ways that those trees can mature once the old, uh, the old growth uh, redwood has sort of lived its course. And so I leave you all thinking, how can you be that initial redwood tree to help grow and foster the next generation of young leaders who are gonna be sitting in these seats talking about ways that we can really move California forward? Thank you so much, Mark. Yes. All right, Santaria, take us home. Yes, I guess last but not least, this is tough advice to follow up, but I think the one thing that I would want everyone to take away is one California Forward's initiative of the triple bottom line approach. And I think this is another fancy term I learned when I joined, but I think it's really important to always consider the economic impacts, the environmental impacts, the social equity impacts in every conversation when you are having these policy making decisions. And going back to my point on language access, living in a state as diverse as California, I hope summits like this and discussions will take into consideration making these conversations more accessible and making sure that you are creating these solutions with the people, not just for the people. Thank you so much, Anthaya. Give it up. All right, so you know we, we talked a lot about intergenerational policy engagements and solution making, and this is really what has brought uh, the Young Leaders Advisory Council together. And not only are we asking you all to, for us to be involved in your spaces and your advocacy and the work that you're doing, but we also want to be in, in planning stages. We want to be in consultation, in the policy eval evaluation phases, uh, because we know that this works, right? We have been here uh, with each other for the past two years or so, uh, really, really brought us together that, you know, we have done stuff like the Student Voter Project with the Secretary of State's office. We're doing work with the Tuolumne County, and we're all here today because we know that this, this, this approach works. And so, you know, I think come, when it comes to what we, we would want to do is, 
you know, we not only are we asking to be a part of your space, but we are inviting you all to our table for you to also want to come join us. And so not only to our figuratively table, but also to our literal table, because we have our Young Leaders Advisory Councils here today with us as well. If you want to give it a round of applause. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us today in this conversation. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Stephanie. This was PolicyWise, an intergenerational podcast by Youth Leadership Institute focused on bringing young people into the policy conversation. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at PolicyWisePod. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss, please slide into our DMs or send us an email at policywise at yli.org. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes.